Just after two in the PM, keep it locked down to the UCFM. I said it unprecedented. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Good afternoon and welcome to Madrasa on Air with Sheikh Ibrahim Abrahams. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. How is yourself and the Atlas? Alhamdulillah, Sheikh. Alhamdulillah, barakallahu fikum, mashallah. How did the workshop go? Alhamdulillah, I think it went quite well. Mashallah, barakallahu fikum, alhamdulillah. Good. The Adla with, with, with the dealing of, of Madrasa and Air, um, we, we obviously start off with the first uh, segment, calling it Knowing My Lord. But before going in there, we normally make dua, inshallah. Ask Allah to guide us all, inshallah. A'udhu billahi min shaitan al-rajim, bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Alhamdulillahi wa hada wa salatu wa salamu ala man la nabiya ba'd. Rabbi shrah li sadri wa yassid li amri wa ahlul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli. Allahumma adimna bima yanfa'una wa anfa'una bima alamtana. وارزقنا عدمان يا ذا الجلال والإكرام السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته to all our listeners out there الحمد لله allow us to make, make the dua inshallah that Allah will grant us khair and barakah أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والأقبة للمتقين والجنة للمواحدين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين ربنا تقبل منا إنك أنت السميع العليم وتب علينا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا فإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين اللهم حبب إلينا الإيمان وزينه في قلوبنا وكره إلينا الكفر والفسوق والعسيان وجعلنا من الراشدين برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا أذاب النار وادخلنا الجنة مع الأبرار يا عزيز يا غفار يا رب العالمين إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وأصحابه وبارك وسلم سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله uh, to our listeners, must probably just a reminder that we normally start off with uh, recapping as to where we uh, uh, ended off law last and then we move on from there onwards. Alhamdulillah. The topic or the subject that we're dealing with here is knowing my Lord. And in that field, we have gone to the issue of Allah as our Lord. And we've reached at the process of showing that Allah is the Rabb. Our Lord as Rabb, and we said that word Rabb created a subject matter called about Allah called Rububiyyah. And we said that tells us the qualities and the status and the position and the might and the power of Allah and the qualities He has, right? Um, that tells us about Allah. We then went after that, starting off with the issue of Uluhiyyah, where it came from the word Ilah. Allah as Ilah and how we need to understand Ilah with Allah Ta'ala and the subject matter that was created through the Arabic language was then the word Uluhiyyah so we will be using these terminologies the one is Rububiyyah speaking about Allah as that mighty full and powerful Lord the creator of everything the sustainer and all the qualities that Allah has that is in Rububiyyah and the other side, which is equally important, or in actual fact more important, because 
we need to identify Allah as Ilah, and through that we will be speaking about the word Uruhiyah. And here we speak about our action and our relationship or our understanding or, or what we say, our submission to that Lord Allah Ta'ala. Right? So, when we speak about Allah, we were speaking about Allah in Rububiyyah, about the qualities and values and state, the, the position that Allah has of who He is. And we've said that in history through the ages of man, we've seen how people have identified Allah as Rabb, as the person or, or the creator that has all these might and this power, and therefore as creator and, and as sustainer, we give Him the honor and the dignity that He deserves. But did we people accept Allah as Lord, not as Rub, as Rob, but as Lord, as the one we can submit to? We see Him, we recognize that these are His powers, but we prepare, prepare to submit to Him. We now going to do, because a Lord or a, a Rob is somebody who gives commands and demands and direction, and, and we prepare to carry that out, we prepare to accept that. Now, are we at that stage of state? For yeah, our submission is speaking, are we prepared to submit to Allah as our Lord? And are we prepared to exercise that which Allah does or commands us? So we speak about His commands, we speak about His instructions, we speak about His advice and His preventations. Which means, if He commands us or instructs us to do certain things, we are prepared to carry that out. When He gives advice, we are prepared to take to His advice and see his advice as the most important because if we recognize he is the superior and we are absolutely inferior, we are so little, we know so absolutely little, even if we have PhD degrees and even we are doctorates or even if we are professors, we are still seeing ourselves as totally inferior with all the knowledge we have. It means absolutely nothing to his total creation. For whatever you and I have of knowledge, he's the creator of that knowledge he is the one who has brought it about so it, it belongs to him so whatever you have that is so absolutely little so insignificant the amount of extensive knowledge that you have which is insignificant doesn't make you anything great in the, in the sight of Allah and that you need to see yourselves as absolutely inferior and thus you see yourselves as a person who recognize the might and the power and the greatness and the glory and the uluhiya of Allah and you see him as the one deserving alone to be worshipped and thus in your worshipping to Allah when you worship him looking at that what it is all about that submission many of us is under the impression when we speak about worship we speak about standing in salah making salah in front of allah yes that is a portion of worship most probably it is a very small portion of worship it is an important aspect of worship but worship is vast extremely vast and we need to come to understand this and that's our intention into this session hoping to able to somewhat unpack that this is the essence of worship through uruhiyah our mission to our submission to that lord we need to be able to understand his commands we need to understand his instructions it's all about understanding his advice it's understanding when he prevents so it's, it's first has to do with the intellect where the intellect understands that this is allah example 
Allah Ta'ala gives us instructions that we need to abstain from drinking wine. So if we don't drink wine, then that is an ibadah. That is our uluhiyah to Allah. That is preventing us. But Allah also gives us the instruction and He says to us that we need to be able to respect our parents. His command is that we, you and I, need to respect our parents. So that is the respect to our parents is part of worshipping Allah. The worship to Allah is not in the salah there. Not that salah is not worship. Salah is part of worship. But we need to understand that Uruhiya speaks about me taking him as my Lord. If he commands or instruct or show me the way, I do that. I carry it out and I trust that he is my creator and he knows best. No, he doesn't know better. He never knows better. He knows the best. There is many others that might know better than me and you. But Allah knows best against amongst all. He knows the best for all of us and he has only given us what, for what is best for us for our world and for our hereafter may Allah grant us to be of those people and so we come to understand of the examples my respect then to my parents as a command from Allah is worshipping Allah is part of the worship that Allah totally expects when Allah gives the command of having to put something in place and you and I are doing that to the best of our ability then we are worshipping Allah and that is the sense of uruhiyah that Allah deserves and we've seen through the ages there has been Allah's commands to people and various ones Allah's given various messages and they've done whatever they had to do and if they did that then that, that was their worship to Allah and if they did not do that they did not worship Allah now part of the worship is as a major section of that worship is to recognize that Allah is not and only a Rabb in Rububiyyah but he is the ilah in, in uluhiyah that the people recognize that they need to be able to give unto Allah the respect when he commands, the respect when he instructs, the respect when he uh, advises, the respect when he ad, uh, uh, prevents us, that we do as what Allah commands or what Allah shows us to. May Allah grant us all that and that is the major issue that has happened through the ages, that people uh, so Allah and recognize Allah as Ilah, as, as Rab, I'm sorry, as Rab in Rububiyyah, but could not accept Allah as Ilah to worship Allah, meaning they saw the might and the power and the greatness and the glory of Allah. They recognize it is the, the, the same Lord of the sun that allows the sun to rise and allows the set. He is the Lord of the sun, but he's the Lord of the seven heavens and he's the Lord of all creation. They saw him as that. But they did not see, see him in the might and power of Uluhiyah that they need to worship him. And we've seen this through the various ages that has happened and exactly what we've seen happen in the history processes of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And we've mentioned this, that at that time there was people, they knew the might and power of Allah and we've seen this. They could see, they could speak, like the, the Quraysh could speak about the Rabbul Kaaba. They, they saw him as he is the Lord. And Allah says, if you are to ask them who created the heavens and earth, then they would say most definitely it is Allah. So yes, this was common in, in the life identifying Allah in this personality or this position of Rob. 
but they worshipped others. Now, what did they do in worship? They accepted the fact that if they wanted to uh, uh, have somebody to guide them along when it comes to falling in love with somebody, getting married to somebody, then there is an idol that they go to. And if the idol instructs him certain things or something comes happens to their mind, then they suddenly believe that this idol saying this, do this, and don't do that. And they then follow those type of things. And they believe that this is it that they're doing and they're doing right, doing what is right, righteous. And Allah showed us through the message of the Anbiya that in actual fact, it's all about the Uluhiya, it's all about the fact that we need to be able to get to submit to Allah and to Allah Ta'ala. We, we were just before the break, we were looking at the issue of speaking about Uluhiya and wanting us to understand the fact that our understanding of Uluhiya and having to allow that to happen because when we actually do that we're doing the right form of worshipping to Allah and because our life we need to understand that uh, many a time people say I know Allah I know my Lord and how do they know the Lord they know the Lord of the might and the power and the qualities of value that they see through the various things that they experience in life and it's like for instance you look at a mountain and you see the, the might and the quality of this mountain but Allah has created this so you see Allah through the qualities of the mountain or you look at it from a height you look at the sea and the vastness of the sea and the might and the power and the strength that lies within that sea Allahu Akbar we, we see all these uluhiyya and we, we see all this rububiyya but the uluhiyya is to know that that Lord who has all this might and power, He is advising, He is giving guidance, He is in showing us a way. And if we are prepared to submit to that, then that makes us giving Allah the qualities of that uluhiyya which belongs to Him. Ya Rabbi just bringing back our minds to what we started with at the beginning. Remember at the beginning of this course, when we dealt with knowing my Lord, immediately after having to give us a breakdown of what the word Lord meant, we went into the creation of man and so show us certain qualities when Allah created us. And what happened that at that moment there came a being about to be able to take up the role of playing as our enemy was in enmity of us is ready to be able to be in opposition of us all the time and I have to and offer us everything other than Allah to worship and that we call him shaitan or jinn uh, or, or, or iblis um, and that he has made a submission that he was going to do that best to be able to keep us and give us other than that so we see in life that man by nature falls prey to him Man and actual follow him. Man and actual fact do what he says and guides him. And they, these, he offers man a billion and one different types of idols to worship or lords to worship other than Allah. But that is the promise he made to Allah. He said to Allah, I am going to offer them anything and everything that is known so that they can take to these things. And he's promised Allah, I'm never, ever, ever going to stop. I'm going to perpetuate, I'm going to carry on, and I'm going to be in every angle in their life at all times. I'm not going to take off every, any day. I'm not going to have sick leave. I'm going to be continuous perpetuating day after day, week after week, month after one month, nay, minute after minute, second after second. I'm not going to stop. And I'm going to be there all the time. I'm going to look at any moment. I'm going to try my very, very best. 
So Allah Ta'ala then gave us a deen or, the, or mankind religion via the Anbiya to guide them. How can they keep themselves away from shaitan and how can they get into the issue of uluhiyyah that grant Allah that haq? And Allah said to him, you can only do that with those people who's going to be ready to want to follow your path. May Allah protect all of us, our families, our friends. And that in actual fact, we realize that we've been granted this honor, this dignity to be able to be Muslim, that Allah has selected us to be of the Ummah of Islam, and Allah wants us to be the people who actually follow that path of uluhiyyah to Allah Ta'ala. That our worshipping to Allah may be a sense of ibadah that we do, not making salah only. Salah is a necessity of uluhiyyah, but that even the way I treat my parents, the way I am with the rest of humanity, if there is command of Allah through that, through that we submit to that command, and that is what we do. Right? May Allah grant us to be able to follow that path. So, uluhiyah is all about if Allah guides me, if Allah instructs me, if Allah shows me the way or it says to me what I must do, I do it for following that path in the, the explanation and of the ex- examples given or, or, or the way the Prophet has presented their message to their people. And so we see that in our deen, in the deen of Islam, through the laws, and we are, remember, we are the last group of people among all the people that has been, all the people came from the various prophets, they're the people of the prophets. You and I that belong to the whole world that is Muslim today, we are the ummah of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who submit, to, submit to his message and the message of Allah via the method of the Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So that is a common aspect that has happened in the submission to Allah ta'ala via the the method of the prophets is a norm has happened to mankind ever since. And those people who were prepared to offer themselves in totality to that, they are known as the muttaqeen or they're known as the muslimin of that era. The Muslimin of the era was not, uh, the mu- being a Muslim is not the Muslim of this time only. Being a Muslim on the time of Nabi Isa was the people who submitted to him and following his message. The Muslims in the time of Nabi Musa was the people who listened to his message and followed the tariqah and f- carrying it out in the way he, Nabi Musa, did at that time. And so through the ages we've seen the understanding that you and I, when we in actual fact want to live that sense of rububiyyah, that you and I need to be able to say, let's understand what is the message of Allah. What is the message of our Lord? What is it our Lord wants for us? So if we understand the message, we then can work towards implementing that message in our life. But without understanding, it's not going to be possible. Now the message of Allah Ta'ala simply is this Qur'an that Allah Ta'ala has sent and whatever is the instructions in this Qur'an. So the longer you and I take to get exposure to this Qur'an, the longer we will take to be able to submit to Him. Because we do not then understand the message. 
So the understanding is very far or very narrow or very diluted understanding because we're not interested of having to go into this Quran because it is the message of Allah and Allah has spoken his message completed his message which is the best message for man on the highest level of development in the greatest and the, the highest level set for what is best for the dunya and best for our akhirah this is what this Quran have for us and this is what Allah has given to us and in the understanding of my uruhiyah is all about having to understand the message and then to work towards implementing this message. And that, as, we, as we've said in our other lessons, is only possible if we go and seek it and wanting to be able to implement it in the manner given to us by the Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. May Allah grant us to be of those people who follow those paths, inshaAllah. Amen. So, in... in, in oh, what we've intended to do here further is to allow us to understand let's look at ourselves in the relationship to what Allah has instructed in the Holy Quran and the various processes of how mankind related their lives to the message of Allah via their prophets and the message that the prophets brought to them example we look at the children of Nabi Adam Nabi Adam was the first Nabi and his children was obviously um, the people that he needed to be able to give the message of Allah to. And what was that message for them? To simply say to them, live your life in a manner that you submit to Allah. Do everything for the sake of Allah. Listen to Allah and do not listen to shaitan. Do not go to him. Do not do what he says. Do not follow his uh, advice. Do not go to what he advised you. And do not fall prey to him. And we've seen what has happened to Nabi Adam and their children. And the children of Nabi Adam. The situation Allah shows us where shaitan came in and shaitan wanted to uh, uh, reject. Allah telling the process and started slowly to offer them means and ways to be able to fall in love with this world to live the way they want to to do whatever they feel and he started offering them the issue of playing music and so music is one of those ways that it comes to us to offer us a process subtly to get us away from submission to Allah and so you fall in love with the music and then after music what happens? Music brings about um, a, a way that you need to be able to sway the body and the sway of the body then becomes such a norm and you sway it with whoever you want to. A group of children of Nabi Adam saw what was happening and they realized that they shouldn't do this and they did their very very best okay? so there was a group who was submitting to Nabi Adam and his guidance and the other group just went on and it opened the door that the swaying happened not only amongst the similar uh, sexes but then they came shaitan allowed them to be able to sway their bodies in what we call dancing today they dance males and females and slowly shaitan started to get in and it happened so through this that what happened in the issue of Nabi, Mu Nabi Adam's children especially the, uh, the eldest two the eldest two sets of twins um, now Allah has decreed 
that for the law of Nabi Adam for that day and the submission to Allah which is uluhiya to Allah as Allah has given a law that there was no other people on the planet at that time there was no people staying anywhere in any place the only people on the planet is Nabi Adam and his children but the law of Allah in command as uluhiya to Allah is that Allah says that if the first set of twins is born, there's a, they are a pigeon pair, a male and a female, but the, the male of the first one will get married to the female of the second one. That is Allah's law to them. That is Allah, Allah's command to them. So the uruhiyah to Allah would be that if Allah has given that command, they must be able to do that. But the first one felt that no, the girl, the, the, the sister that was born with, in, with me in the, at the same womb with me as a set of twins, I feel that she's much more beautiful, so I would want her to be my partner. And the two of them obviously were born as, as, as twins growing up together, sharing many things together. And so obviously he's now taking almost a one sense of control of this, this one. And so Allah instructed them that the law is the eldest, the first one must get married to the second female and the further. So every, every uneven number must get married to the even numbers. The male to the other female and this female to the other male. And, and in, in, in that way, Allah has then set the process because what Allah has allowed to happen is the fact that the womb of the mother was the same womb. But Allah has allowed them to be able to be in a set of twins so that they can from there onwards describe that they were laying in this one uh, uh, inside the womb of the mother that, that has been taken out and replaced so that Allah grants them the opportunity that there can be another set that the two of them can get married to one another. And Allah will have put the processes of law and order with Allah's command through them. So their law and order should be in that form. Their submission to Allah is that their marriage must, must happen in that permission form. So when they had to marry one another, it so Allah showed us how in actual fact through the process of uruhiyah to Allah, of us taking Allah and worshipping Him, His command is you can only as if you if you're the first set, you can only get married to the second set. You cannot marry to your own set. As if she's your own sister and that one is the sister of, of the other one, right? So you must get married to the other one's sister and that one gets married to your sister. That was the law of Allah, part of the law of Allah as uluhiyya. And Allah taught them that they must be able to do everything in submission to Allah and they must adhere to Allah. But the process of what we say, the issue through music of mankind and shaitan offering the issues of music to them and issuing the process of dancing to them and interaction and, 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 and the sexes mixed with one another. And so it happened that man started to be able to land up in fornication and land up with extra children and uh, uncalled for pregnancies. And, and these things, it opened the door to those things. But slowly, so music, dancing, and khamar comes in. And so we've seen the reasons, and, but Allah has given to Nabi, Nabi Adam the law for his people that they must not entertain the process of khamar. Now khamar is a norm, because what happens, how do you get khamar? 
How come these people just make hummer? Hummer comes about, it's a natural creation. When you and I make juice, we take juice and we allow the juice to stand, it turns toxic, it turns uh, uh, what we say, uh, um, uh, it develops to the process where alcohol, it becomes alcoholic in its, its, its development. It becomes alcoholic through the process of time. And so if you add, you uh, make your juice and you add sweetness to it, then it, it form, allows it to ferment and it becomes alcoholic. And if it becomes alcoholic, it will disturb, disturb the mind. And Allah has made it absolutely haram from the time of Nabi Adam right through. And unfortunately, the children of Nabi Adam via Iblis and via the process of being offered music, the offer of dancing, the offer of intermixing of the sexes, opens up all the sin the disrespect and honor again against the law of Allah and add land, land, landing where man opposes Allah in what is Allah's laws. That happened to the children of Nabi Adam. But after the time of Nabi Adam, Allah shows us, allow me, I'm only going to take out certain processes of certain Anbiya and certain things that happened as what Allah mentioned some of them. And we're going to mention some of those who so let us understand. We're all dealing, or only dealing with understanding or the exposure of uluhiyyah. So you and I can understand, when are we giving Allah the right of uluhiyyah? Giving to Allah, doing unto Allah, serving Allah, making ourselves the slaves of Allah. And that is the issue of uluhiyyah, right? So if Allah Ta'ala says to us that Muhammadur Rasulullah, or, uh, that Allah is the Muhammad is the messenger of Allah in another place in the Quran. Allah says that the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam is the abd of Allah, right? That the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam is this, this, the slave of Allah. And according to the scholars, it is of the best qualities given to the Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. I think you indicated to me that there's a question possibly. Okay, yep, there's one that came through. What is Islam's view on a ladies' night where you have music and dancing? Please advise. Shukran jazakallah for that one, Um As for the listener, um, I think one needs to answer the question from two sides. First and foremost, allow me that when we speak about music and dancing and what it does, and I, I've indicated to you what happened in the time of Nabi Adam and his the, the process, the, the very clear thing about music and dancing is music was a matter that was allowed when we speak about uh, 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 music when you might do song and singing. Now, song and singing is something that comes from poetry. It's origins poetry. The poet writes it up, and then that is put into melody, and the melody brings about song and singing. But when we speak about music, music now speaks about using instruments to be able to add more vigor and process into the into the rhythm of the of the melody so that people can sway their bodies more and if you sway the body more you dance better and when you dance better you would actually want the opposite sex in front of you but the uh, being it with the opposite sex makes it so very very uncomfortable because now you go to the extent of exposing yourself to sexuality and to the uncomforts of sexuality and the words of Allah in the Holy Quran from our side as Muslims is the fact zina. do not go to anything near to zina but dancing is the entrance to that music is the entrance to that uh, um, intoxication is the entrance to that 
And this Allah's the command of Allah is do not go there. So yes, for the question who asked the question, what happens if we having a, a ladies' evening in dancing? In dancing, if ladies dance with ladies from an Islamic perspective in a decent manner and they do not expose their bodies and it does not a means of for them uh, uh, entering into in, 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 in into a wrongful or negative acts that allows um, the, the, the sexual acts and these things. Na'udhu Billah, may Allah protect. If it does that and it's only the female with a female and they need to sway their bodies, then the best is to, to say, allow us to be able to meet there, but remove the, the, the situation, the form of negative dancing and the form of bad music. It's going to uh, uh, instill that feeling of unfortunate emotions. In today's life, we also know that if you do something, the males with the males and the females with the females, unfortunately, it lands up with what we call um, uh, the negativity of... of, 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 of uh, um, where you see, where we see that uh, uh, you get uh, the what happened in the time of Nabi Lut, where the males had sex uh, relationships with males and females had with females, and this is becoming a common thing. So, if this is opening this female gathering there for females and is opening up the door for them to be able to go to that level, naudu billah, may Allah protect. A male's evening with males or a female evening with females, if it is clean, if it is permissible, if it allows people to interact and to have discussion and to share things and to have a bit of fun and it's clean fun, then it's totally permissible. There's nothing wrong with that. Right? But if it opens the door to anything that's negative or music where people's going to dance to uncomfortable situations or music that is bad terminologies and allows you to think and uh, 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 allow opening up the mind to negative things, Billah, may Allah protect us, may Allah grant us that we are not. And so I appreciate this question and especially because it relates to the subject matter. How is music relating to and dancing and the things that goes with that relating to Uruhiyya? Yes, it, in our deen it is very clear Allah's words in the Holy Quran about the fact that we do not allow ourselves to give ourselves over to the music that is corruptive, destructive. If it is music where people just have light music or light, we, we say you eat under the drum only and it only allows you to be able to, to sing praise for goodness and, and honor and dignity, then it's quite permissible. There's nothing wrong. But if it goes to the extent where it sways the bodies, if we, your participation of intoxications, of drugs, and any of those things, Billah, may Allah protect that we go there and that we do not participate in things of that nature. Shukran for that one, Diagla. Um, we are in the second segment where we're looking at I am a Muslim, so what is expected of me? In the program that we've dealt with prior, we came to realize the need for having to uh, get knowledge and we went to say that the part of that knowledge is the understanding of recognizing who is the role model that we had and that we need to follow that role model, the Nabi Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But part of that uh, knowledge that we need to seek is the knowledge of the Quran and that is when I'm a Muslim and the necessity for me to be able to have understanding of this message because in the other one we just mentioned how 
society, we need to understand making me Muslim is a person that I need to understand the message of Allah. And this Quran needs to become alive. And I need to be able to have read the Quran. Or I need to have sat at the feet of scholars where they guide me to the understanding of the message of this Quran. And what does it entail? And it's such an important fact that I grow through this Quran and I understand that message of Allah that Allah is sharing with me in this Quran. And that we need to come to understand that the purpose of this Qur'an is simply now the Qur'an through its purpose has got many things for us. It is a book that has got so many valuable facts for us. It is, remember the book of the creator of the universe, the creator of all the isms, the creator of all the ologies, the creator of all the sciences together. He's the creator thereof and there's not a science or there's not a knowledge or there's not an ism or an ology that is found but Allah has created it and it wouldn't have been in this universe or in this world if it did not come from Allah who's created the base of everything and so there's nothing that lacks in the message of Allah in this Quran to the extent of whatever the isms and the ologies that we have or the sciences that we have in this world and that in reality the sciences lack so much it still needs to go through so much at the isms and the ologies and they will be developing all the time because they are not from the Lord of the universe. The man has found it and man has developed through it. Its base is from Allah, but Allah that I have seen the Quran that is holistic, totally holistic. There is nothing as holistic as only this Quran. And in the holistic approach of this Quran, it has a purpose and Allah says that that purpose of this Qur'an is a means of guidance. Allah says to us in Surah Al-Baqarah, the second surah in the Holy Qur'an, the very few first few verses, the first verse is to us, Alif Lam Mim, Thalika Al-Kitabu La Rayba Fi. That book is absolute. That book is absolute. It has everything that you, the human being, will ever be in need of. It has everything in there. It is totally holistic. It is, there is no doubt in every detail. It has every benefit for man. La rayba fi lil muttaqin. It is the guidance for those who wants to find guidance. For the righteous people. May Allah grant us to be of the righteous. May Allah grant us to come to develop to the extent where we realize that I cannot be a righteous and good Muslim. I cannot become of the righteous unless I go and get myself involved. I take a deep dive into this Quran. I go into it to understand what is his message, what is his purpose. And Allah says it is a guidance to mankind. I've mentioned to you one ayah, but in actual fact, Allah mentions this to us many times in the Holy Quran. Allah says to us that this Qur'an is a guidance to mankind. Uh, this book gives guidance. So yes, Allah emphasizes this in the various places in the Qur'an. It's all about the process that its main objective is, its purpose is to guide mankind so that mankind does not fall prey to shaitan, does not fall prey to the world or his own emotions and feelings, but that the actual facts submit themselves to his Lord so that he can become of the righteous and good Muslimin in this dunya and be a righteous benefit for whosoever he touches and whosoever he develops with so that he can be a benefit for them and the only way to be that benefit if he is prepared to seek that message that comes from Allah so that he and I, we all can grow 
and we it can all be a benefit to ourselves and to other people. May Allah open the path that this Quran becomes that level for all of us, inshallah, and that the purpose of this Quran becomes meaningful for us as Nagra, inshallah. Amen. We are in the second segment, and this, I suppose, in the, the second segment they dealt, dealt with I am a Muslim, so what is expected of me? Um, we dealt with the process of understanding this Quran, coming to realize that this Quran has got so much of value and for mankind and mankind needs to go in there and the purpose of this Quran is to be able to guide mankind and so that we can be guided in this world because we live in a world where there is so much diversity in and so many uh, things happening in this world and this world has been going through development with man through various ages and this Quran is there that Allah has sent it as a Quran that will deal with the modern world the Qur'an, Allah, which is the Lord of the universe, knows this world, knows everything in this world. He's allowed it to happen. It is part of His decree that these things will happen. It can only happen because He's decreed it. So He knows every detail of everything. And thus He has sent this Qur'an to be so holistic that deals with every need for man and deals with the greatest form of development for man and it deals with especially the modern world that man can understand in this modern world that he finds himself in how can he develop through that to be able to reach out there into what we call the spirituality of life because the physical world has nothing of spirituality in there the spirituality comes from the path of Allah in his messengers and the process to be able to give that link of man to his Lord and now the problem is looking at this world which is supposed to be a tangible world if you question this world you want to be seeing tangible things you want to have the things in front of you but you and I know that this world is not a reality without the ghaib the unseen because that the purpose for our life here is to be able to depart that we're leaving this world and there is going to be another world. This is just but the stage that you and I go through. So this Quran guides us how to be able to live in this part of this world and meet up with the modern things that there is that this world will develop in. But it's very enticing and it invites us. And so in that invitation that when you have the connection with this Quran, when you are related into your spirituality and allow to can guide you through this Quran in that spirituality to return back to Allah, to return back to the path of Allah, to recognize that you and I are human, we err, we by nature make many faults and, and errors and in the process we can change, we can develop, we can become more humane, more respectable, more decent, we can submit to Allah, we can recognize where our shortcomings is, we can be of those people who want to be of those whom Allah is going to pardon, of those whom Allah Ta'ala is going to take to Allah's Jannah. But it is a desire that you and I must have that want to go into this Quran, want to take a dive in it, want to sit at the feet of scholars who has the ability to guide us so that you and I can come nearer to Allah, so when you and I can meet up with deep, the depth of that spirituality, so you and I can realize that this world in its, in its tangible format is actually empty, there's nothing in it. Its value lies in that spirituality and can Connecting with that Lord and through that being able to find the successes of this world and the successes of the year after. May Allah grant us to be of those that we actually develop through those process 
that through the process of that in having to understand that Quran as the modern answers or the answers for our process, the life that we live in, will be able to find the greatest success for dunya and for akhirah. May Allah grant us all that, inshallah, and grant us to grow through that Quran and have that link with that Quran and realize that our process of Islam and our deen is of very little value if we do not develop a relationship, a stronger relationship with this Quran. Allah's request in the Holy Quran in the, when Allah says أَفَلَا يَتَدَبَّرُونَ الْقُرْآنَ Will you never ever go and do the research in this Quran? Don't you think it's by time that you should be de- de- delving in it? It was sent. That makes you Muslim. That is the issue. That is the message that you and I makes that makes us Muslim. That you and I visit this Quran because that was the message sent to the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to guide me and you from the life that we are in, from this world that this we're in, to make us Muslims in this day and time. May Allah forgive us for our shortcomings. May Allah grant us insight and may Allah allow us to be able to be granted the opportunity to go that far so that we can develop to where Allah wants us to be able to reach to the higher levels, inshallah. And may Allah grant us khair and barakah. I think uh, um, there is where I need to end off with, with the understanding from this Quran. And inshallah, for the next process of the segment, I am a Muslim, so what is expected of me? We are going over to something other. We've gone t- taking you through the processes of the development into the I am a Muslim. We're now going to having to look at the, f- the pillars of this deen. In this Quran, Allah sent this Quran and Allah sent this Nabi to guide us how to be Muslim. And certain things was put in through our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We're hoping to take those pillars which the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is showing us. Now these pillars are not mentioned in the Quran but Allah has sent this Quran and this messenger to show us how this Quran must be implemented. This messenger shows us that we need to be able to have these pillars in our life and is developed within us the five pillars of Islam and we are going to look at the very first pillar and why the first pillar in life and the development of that first pillar. That first, first pillar is what you and I speak about is the kalimat shahada ashadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashadu anna muhammad rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam may Allah grant us to be able to grow with that the translation for that words ashadu an la ilaha illallah would simply be I testify to the fact that there is none worthy of worship except Allah and I testify to the fact that muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the messenger of Allah so those words is what we are going in further inshallah and we hope to do a breakdown process of those words as we go on in this program bi'ithnillah may Allah grant us khair and barakah as we go along and that we have to get to the understanding of growing with those things as what Allah and His Rasul expects of us to grow with shukran jazakumullah khairan wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh on this segment the other segment comes after this inshallah on foot we've been for the ad break so we'll just keep on rolling Okay, shukran jazakallah for that one, Adila. If if this this brings us to the end of this segment, we are now going to the other segment, right? The last segment, which is called leadership in Islam.
That's so. Yes, alhamdulillah. In the, the segment of leadership of Islam, alhamdulillah, in uh, taking a, a, a look back at what we dealt with this far, we took us to the various levels. We then ended up of having to be able to work towards the development of Khilafah. And most probably in the questions that they came about Khilafah last week, just a reminder to our people, the word Khilafah means to be able to bring about establishment of the fact that there must be leadership in Islam that's been followed by one Khalifa, one person who is called the Khalifa of the Muslimin. Now that issue of Khilafah is something that is lost at the moment in the Muslim Ummah. And that, according to the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, is our responsibility that we must be able to work towards for the establishment of Khalifa. Because there is going to be a Khalifa in the final hour, and that Khalifa is the final Khalifa of the Muslim Ummah, and he will be the leader, and Allah is going to choose him to come about for the Ummah of Islam and he's going to be one leader and the whole Muslim world is going to follow him and then Islam is through him is going to spread far and wide and those people who are non-Muslims is going to submit them to Islam and we need to understand in that level that the establishment of Khilafah is which the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam asked of us to work towards now it's not just going to happen because it means that your children and mine must be ready to be able to follow the Khalifa. But they will not be able to follow the Khalifa and not because they say they are Muslims, but because if they say they are Muslims, they need to be able to establish Khilafa in themselves. For it to happen that the whole world can actually follow the one Khalifa, then it must have been a development through the various aspects of the or, uh, segments in Islamic life that man finds himself in whether it is in government, whether it is in organizations, whether it is in institutions and whether it is in the families or in the tribes or whether it is in homes then through all that there must be a Khalifa, there must be a leader and they, we must be able to follow that leader so that they, those leaders, wherever they are, can be united in their leadership to be able to follow a united leadership Yawm Al-Qiyamah under the name the Khilafah of which Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has guided us. May Allah open the path for all of us. And so it's this type of leadership that we are speaking about. And we've reached to the point where we said that that khalif, khilafa as an establishment must happen through all the segments. And I've said that the governments and the areas and the provinces and, and so all of them, or the organizations or the tribes or the, uh, you, you name it as, as institutions. And even every home and every family should have a khalifa. May Allah open the path for all of us. And so we've seen and we've recognized that the last point that we've mentioned that Allah has given this leadership even to the parents. Leadership Allah has given to the parents. It's something parents as leaders. It's expected that parents has given this responsibility of becoming parents to be able to have a sense of development for the, 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 the children that comes. In the words of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he tells us about that and he says, Every child is born on the natural format. And that fitra is to be able to recognize that Allah is the only ilah worthy of being worshipped and that we should be worshipping Allah. But the hadith carries on and it says, 
فأبواهو يهوداني أو ينمجساني It is his parents who makes him Jew or Christian or, or, or the other beliefs that they are. It's the parents that does that. The indirect message that the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa is giving to, the, to, to us as Muslims is saying to us, if the Christians are making their children Christian and the Jews are making their children Jews and the atheists are making their children atheists and that is what they are doing in their beliefs, then it is the responsibility of the parents to be able to make their children Muslim, to establish Islam, to develop Islam, to develop the leadership that Islam expects to see. And so being a Muslim, my name Ibrahim doesn't make me Muslim. So if my parents have given me the name Ibrahim, but they haven't developed me and brought me to the level where I need to come to recognize it, I need to work at developing Islamic development in myself and I need to be in the time when I'm an adult and I'm a parent and I need to be able to see that I pass over this leadership within my children and I need to see that they become leaders as I develop them then I have also done lost my job or lost my duty because when the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says it is the parents of the Jews who make their children Jews and the parents of the, the, the uh, the Christians who make their children Christian and the parents of the uh, 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 of all the other beliefs who make them those children believe that then it's also the responsibility of the parents who are Muslim and righteous Muslim and those people who went out to seek Islam and who go to need to know that they need to so much to be under the guidance of scholars of deen to guide them to what Islam is if they are not doing that then unfortunately they cannot pass over Islamic leadership to their children and so then obviously if they cannot pass this over to them, then how will those children be the leaders tomorrow to their children and to their generations to come? And this is the type of thing that we see happening common, it's normal, it's spread today. There's so many people who claim that Islam is my name, but Islamic qualities hasn't developed. And I'm not here undermining anybody. I'm saying to us, it is so rife, it's so common. And we've gone to the extent not going, not being ready to want to go and seek, not being ready to want to be, go to develop. We take it we are already developed. Yes, if I'm already developed, then who can teach me? Nothing and nobody can. Then why did the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say so to me that I need to seek knowledge from the cradle to the grave? Is it because that if I'm already developed, that I still need to seek? What he has no way to him to learn me. But I think when we're talking about that, Sheikh, it's pretty deep because, you know, you've mentioned you have the knowledge, but some people take it to the point where, you know what, because I know it all. So the ego creeps in from time to time. And so it's, it's deep. It's pretty, pretty deep. Yes, it unfortunately is. And in this segment that we're dealing with, when we speak about the leadership in Islam, it is, it is because we haven't been there, and I'm, I'm referring to, most probably I haven't been there either. And, but when Allah granted us to be exposed, you come to realize, Ya Allah, may Allah grant us to come to be there. And you come to realize that the, the need for seeking so that you can develop and that that process of leadership can truly come about. And Yati uh, Adullah, with no disrespect, um, the scholars tell us one of the most important aspects in the, in the life of a man 
is the fact that he needs to be a person who has responsibility and lives with that sense of responsibility, especially the responsibility towards Allah and His Rasul. Sometimes man lives with his responsibility only to life and the physical aspect of this life, but he does not have his responsibility to his Lord. And, but if he lacks that exposure, how can we expect that from him? But now, if he then becomes a father figure or a parent, and he or she does not have the leadership qualities and they were not exposed to that, how can we expect them to be able to leave it over to their children? May Allah grant us forgiveness for our shortcomings and grant us what is best for our dunya and best for our akhirah. And so the process of understanding that parents as, as leaders is what Islam wants us to understand. Even though it is not an easy task, it's a difficult responsibility, but that is the responsibility given to every man and every woman. And, and thus we've gone to let us understand from where did it start, right from the beginning. And ever since the development of man and man grew through the ages, the process of developing the, gen the next generation should be an important aspect. And everybody must understand you are not being honored only when you've been given the right to become a mom or a dad. You've been given the honor and the dignity, but you've also been given the responsibility to rear and to nurture. And so, as we've said in the hadith of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he clearly indicates to us that nurturing can either be as a Muslim to a Muslim family, or a non-Muslim will be able to nurture their children into the field that there is, even though every child was born in the essence to be able to live on the fitrah and the fitrah means to be ready to accept the fact that Allah is the only one worthy of being worshipped and you would have worshipped Allah and nobody else but Allah may Allah grant us to be of those people who recognize that we're living on this dunya for a period of time only and we have a certain job to do our purpose is to be able to worship Allah and we need to see that we leave behind a legacy in our offspring that they recognize the most important aspect of life is not what we earn through it, it's not what we achieve in it, is what we actually have our submission to the Lord of this universe and to the Lord who created us and has given us all the favors and that we submit to Him in submission at worship, worshiping Him and Him alone. May Allah grant us to be of those people who do that and find the process of development through those insha'Allah. Shukran wa sallallahu wa Muhammad alhamdulillahi So yes, um, in the process of Leadership, we, we see the role of leadership where the parents is concerned. Um, we need to be able to take it to the next level of what leadership has been shown to us by Allah and His Rasul. And the next level of leadership is that we need to understand as much as the parents need to play, play the role of leadership, they also need to be a leader who guides everybody and who's actually been taking the process. And we've shown you it happened from the, from the beginning of time and it comes down to the lowest level of mankind, to the home, the family, the smallest family, that Allah has given the first role of leadership to the man. And the man, the, the man must be the a leader at the home. And the home will be able to develop positively if... For that matter, the mother figure sees that the father has been given that honor, that dignity, which Allah and His Rasul has put there, has put onto him. And if the mother then sees that she executes whatever it is through the submission of the father, as long as he is submissive to Allah 
and is obedient to Allah and that she then is submissive to him, then she as then gives a relationship of understanding in her children. She's nurturing them to understand that the father must be respected because this is Allah's law and the law of the Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now Allah mentions this in the Quran to us and our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam shows us this. And we've seen that khilafah or leadership that must be developed needs to go through the process that there is a single person who is in charge but he actually works with everybody. Like for instance, Allah says to us in the Holy Quran that when I speak about leader, I don't really mean that the person needs to be, to be having what we call that role of decision making. Many times our people are under the impression I can see leader and make a decision mark. And explain it what it will, and do what it will. No. Islam, as much as Islam is telling us about leadership, that they need to be somebody who is a leader who takes charge so that the, the, the uh, decisions can be made for the benefit of the family or the tribe or the community, that there is always somebody in charge in this process. This can only happen in the words of the Nabi, the words of the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and the words of Allah in the Holy Quran. Allah says, "Wa amruhum shura baynahum." The general process of them, the second nature of the, the Muslim Ummah, is that they always consult with one another before the role of decision making. So, if Allah Taala and His Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam has indicated to us that the person in charge of the family is the father figure as long as he is obedient to Allah and his messenger, then it must be that the father and the, the, the mother and the rest of the children and the rest of the family, if he is the leader of the family, then they must be able to show him respect and decency and must be able to listen to his advice and guidance but must be ready to, he must be ready to also at the same time be prepared to be able to put the things on these views on the table and allow them to be able to come and give their views also and he must be able to listen to their views and he must then guide them through the process as to what is best and he then have to make the decision on what is the circumstances for now so that the family may be able to grow and to develop until the process is where they come to see the submission to the laws of Allah Ta'ala now that is not an easy thing it's not easy for the world that we're living in today where there is feminism and, and, and this control of the women of the world and, and, and they want to be in charge. But Allah has created the man to have a certain role and the responsibility. He's the Lord of the creation and he knows why he's given the load to the male. And sometimes it's best if the man takes the load. Because Allah already given to the woman so many roles to play and so many things to do. And if she can only give unto the man what belongs to him, most probably he will become a better man. But many a time the woman wants to take over, they want to be in charge. They want to take over. Allah did not give them that load. Allah's not going to keep them responsible for that load. But sometimes women don't have a choice, Sheikh. Sometimes they are forced to get a move on. Sometimes we, we, they are forced coming, to take that role. We're coming to Adla. Yes, sometimes they are forced to. And this is where I say, if your husband is... A decent Muslim, if he's a person with understanding, if he's a person who goes out to seek, then the necessity is that you understand 
the your role to play is just to be submissive to him as long as he does not violate the laws of Allah. It, as long as he's not giving permissibility to the violation of the laws of Allah and his Rasul. But if that is it, then your submission to to him is the command of Allah. It is Allah's responsibility on you. It is what Allah, it, it, I'm sorry, it's what Allah is put as a responsibility on you that you become responsible as the mother figure or the woman in the house. That you understand that your success as a woman can only happen when you submit to what the husband wants. In the words of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he advises us and he says to us, if Allah has grant a woman in the house of the family and the husband makes a request to her and no matter who is around she is prepared to be able to submit to his request Allahu Akbar because she is now fulfilling that and if she if the husband is satisfied with her and the fact that she is ready to execute what Allah wants and he is giving a command and demand and advice and guidance and she follows that to the best of his ability or he gives preventation from his side as the leader to be able not to violate the laws of Allah and his messenger and she executes that to the T she follows that and she guides the children and the, com and the community to that then that is the process that Allah will grant her all four doors of Jannah will be open I mean, all eight doors of Jannah will be open for her. The Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam says, Allah will grant her the, 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 the one to choose of that whenever or whatever of those. And if she feels she wants to have the right to enter through every one of them, she will be granted the one to enter from this moment, this time. Later on, she can enter from the other side. And Allah will grant her all, all eight doors of Jannah open for her to enter. Subhanak. That is the greatest if a woman can understand that her role is not to make her in, in anything, anything, anything inferior, but Allah has given her roles to play, major roles, heavy roles, difficult roles to play. And her worry must not be yes, but, and yes, and. Her worry must be able to see that I must help my husband to become more submissive to Allah, submissive for understanding, for that sense that he must be ready to be the father figure in this house. He must be the one carrying the load because Allah is going to keep him responsible. And the other unfortunate situation is that if, he is not given that responsibility. We cannot see true leadership go in this ummah, unfortunately, at, at the end process that happens with mankind. May Allah forgive us for all of our shortcomings. And so we need to be able to understand the process of what Islam sees for mankind. Islam is not wanting to be able to oppose man. Islam wants man to realize we've given you a special job to do and a role to play and you need to fulfill that you need to work at fulfilling that role and if you've done that then Allah will grant you the greatest like for instance the greatest role Allah's given to a woman is first and foremost to be a good wife a submissive wife a wife who's obedient to the husband to such an extent our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam described this and he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said if I had the right to command somebody to make sujood for somebody else other than Allah then I would have commanded the woman to make sujood to her husband but I did not sallallahu alayhi wa sallam 
He says, if he, if he, sallallahu alayhi wa says, if I had the right to command anybody to make sujood for any other thing else, I would have commanded the righteous woman, the decent, respectable woman, to make sujood to their husbands. Allahu Akbar. But the Nabi says, I did not do that. He did not command that. The reason being, meaning the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa wanted us to understand that the greatest role a woman must play is to be able to be submissive to her husband in fulfilling her role as mom at home. Her role as mom at home is the greatest thing. She can be of help and assistance and be of any form of help in developing and looking after the family. And it's a norm and a common thing. But... The greatest role in the sight of Allah is to be a very, 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 very good wife. A wife who can submit to the cause of Allah. A wife who would want to see that the laws of Allah is carried out. A wife who is at the backbone of the husband to see that the, her children and her offspring become the world's next leaders in Islam. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. Thus, Allah Ta'ala mentioned to us in the Holy Quran the words when Allah Ta'ala speaks to the parents when they need to say, Rabbana ablana min azwajina wa dhurriyatina kurrata ayun wa ja'anna lilmuttaqina imama. We were busy on dealing on an ayah of Allah Ta'ala where Allah Ta'ala speaks about us. Let us understand the process of leadership and our role in leadership. And Allah says to us, and when Allah teaches one of the du'as in the Holy Quran, we've shared this to you prior, but to let us understand precisely how does it fit in that Allah will expect of us to be those leaders. Allah says to us, and Allah teaches us the du'a, and Allah says we must say, Rabbana, O our Lord, hablana, grant us as a gift, min azwajina, of our partners, wa dhurriyatina, and of our offspring, kurrata ayun, that will be a contentment for our hearts. They will not bring us misery and comfort and difficulty and impossible in the approaches, but they will be a contentment to us. They will be submissive. They will carry out your law. They will be able to do what must be done. But then Allah qualifies that in the Holy Quran and Allah says, وَجَعَنَّا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ imama." As much as we be ask Allah to grant us good children, Allah says, please ask me, please recognize that you need to look at as a parent, as a parent person, you look at, look at yourself and you need to beg your Lord and saying to him, my Lord, grant me the ability, grant us the ability, that we are leaders to those people who have taqwa, oh Allah. Those family who have taqwa, my partners who have taqwa, and my offspring that have taqwa, grant me the leaders to them. And so, Ya Rabb, Allah is very specific in His words when He chooses to us and He educates us and teaches us. He will wish us to understand what, that He wants for us to be leaders. He wants us to be good leaders. And He wants us to be able to, as leaders, as parents, we need to understand our role is to make of them even furthermore better as the next generation and our role that we play towards them. And so that we need to see that we need to develop as the father figure must be able to be the person who realize he has a responsibility and he needs to take that responsibility. The first role of the woman is to be able if he lacks it, to be able to make him understand it is your role and you need to fulfill that role. Now allow me to say 
the first important role of leadership is not to be able uh, with with father to be able to take charge and to be able to give decisions and to be able to decide and that everybody else must just follow that is not it yes the fact that the father must be able to make the decisions allah has put it onto his lap allah hasn't put it on the lap of anybody else allah ta'ala in the holy quran has put it square and fairly on the lap of the father figure and he's supposed to be able to be to to, to go to that one could be asking the questions yes but the, the but is then we need to be able to develop our children as to become fathers real muslim fathers because allah has put it on his lap so he must become the father already allah has put the load of the mother to be mother when she needs to be, be, be the one that bears the pregnancy and she must be the person who carries the pregnancy and she must be able to be the person who, who brings brings the child forth and she must be able to with all that load that there is help to nurture this child and so the load is much given to the woman and Allah has given to her that. The unfortunate situation of the world today is wanting to say, uh, but I want the other right also. I also want that. Why can't I be this and why? If Allah has put you into a position, He's put you into the best position. And thus we said, the best role a woman can play is Allah has made her to want to, to be supportive of her partner to be able to develop and help the family, inshallah. But what needs to happen in the Islamic process that the second most important role of the woman is the fact that she needs to be a mother to her children. The role of nurturing them, the, the, the role of developing them, the, the role of exposing them to the expectation that Allah Ta'ala and His Rasul has guided them and that they must be able. Because the world is going to offer them many things of the world. But the world can't offer them the depth of having to take the relationship with Allah and His Rasul. And so the mother and the father collectively need to play that role. And the role especially of the woman is that sense that she gives the supportive role to that law of what Allah wants for us. That that law becomes real. That that law is being carried out. So the mother must be concerned that if the father does not fulfill that law, she must see that that law is not being carried out by her and that she must command that Lord she must take over the position oh no that's not expected of her the expectation of her is to command him to, is to be able to per, uh, make him understand that he must be able to understand that this is his role and he can only fulfill his role as a real man as a father in the house when he in actual fact is putting forth that which comes from Allah as guiding him how to be a man in his life and this is what our society lacks today and many a time our society is looking for answers otherwise the answers has been given to us by Allah and His Rasul so that leadership really can come about and it cannot happen where somebody else with some person wants to take somebody else's role if some person takes the role of somebody else and Allah has given to him that role then he then actually goes against the flows of his uh, the, the, the expectation of the role that's given to him then unfortunately he brings about a breakdown on what is the process of development for the hum human race, for what is success for them, for the dunya, and success for them, for the akhirah. And so thus, 
the world is then calling for the need to see the development of fathers of fathers and that fathers fulfill that role as fathers and that fathers takes that role of sultan and they have the responsibility given to them by Allah that they must make decision but the decision can only come about when they've consulted and when they've consulted with their, with their, with their, with their partners which is shared with them then they make the partners feel that they join into the in, in, in decision making and the partners can then understand why they've made the decision because in consultation you share your view and after having to share your view and your opinion you actually support and give and guide them along in the process we were on the section having to speak about the understanding of the role played by the father figure as the uh, leaders that allowed us put the male to be the leaders in fact as the leader for the community the family um, Ms. Bobby, I, I, I just want to add to the process of the issue in a hadith of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he mentions to us that kullukum ra'in wa kullukum mas'ulun an ra'iyyati and the Nabi says that every one of us uh, ought to be a leader and each and every one is going to be asked about his leadership qualities. And he then, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, goes to the extent by saying that the father needs to be the leader in his family. So the Nabi, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, gives the role first to the father. And then the Nabi carries on and he says, and the mother is the, role, the leader of the family when the father is not there. So the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has clearly indicated what role is that the mother should play. And her role of support to the father figure is important. And her role to be able to see if the father figure is obedient to Allah and his messenger. That she in actual fact toe the line of listening to him and hearing what he says. And she executes it exactly what he wants for the benefit if he has the wisdom and the insight to be able to assist and help and guide this family. Because that is his role that he needs to play. And if he does that, that she makes sure that she breaks her back, she breaks her bones, and it is not her clothing that she washes in the home that makes her a mother, or is, it is not the food that she puts onto the table as much, but it's more her submission to her husband and guiding the mind and the hearts of her children to show total submission, and she submits to everything that the final decision needs to come from the husband, and he looks after the development, and she reports back everything to him, and he needs to consult with his family so that he can come to a decision, and what is his decision if it is in accordance with Allah and his Rasul that they execute that because that is obedience he's the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam if you have a leader and you are obedient to him then the obedience to your leader is in indirect way that you showed obedience to me the Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa and if you are then obedient to him your husband because that is the obedience to me then that is also collectively the indirect obedience to Allah this is the words of our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam showing to us to the extent of unfolding or un, uh, uh, breaking down the understanding of leadership for us he's given us clear guidance showing to us that the role of the mother is not to say you have the absolute right to be able to be part of decision making 
You help to give your view. You put your view on the table. Your husband listens to it, and he, whoever else is there, other and uh, which is adult children, and he guides the processes, and he listens to consultation with them. And after consultation, he came comes in, and he then carries the responsibility given by Allah and His Rasul that he must take and make the decision that the woman cannot and the mother may not make the decision. And none of the children can and make the decision that in the family feeds the role. But that role of leadership doesn't happen there only. Our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa says to us that this happens in every process of government, in every process of the countries, in every organization, in every uh, institution, in every tribe, wherever. To the extent, says our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when three people are on a journey together, three alone, only three, then they must have a leader. There must be a leader. M-U-S-T in capital letters, even underlined with exclamation marks to it, which means you and I as Muslims, we cannot do things just haphazardly. We've been given a guidance of how to go through our life, and there cannot be a moment for us without leadership. Leadership is a necessity. But leadership means that the leader is the one that's going to make the decision when he, he has consulted with the group. For Allah says, وَأَمْرُهُمْ شُورَ بَيْنَهُمْ They will always consult. It will be second nature in this ummah that they always consult with one another. And consultation means we present our opinion. If the leader and whosoever puts it onto the table and everybody else takes that opinion and sees what he can put or add to that and then after having to listen to all the opinions, the responsibility is given to the leader that Allah has made the leader or that's been chosen in the group that we've chosen or in the institution wherever he is the leader, he must carry the load of responsibility of decision for the, seconds. Best, the best of this community. Mm-hmm. May Allah grant khair and barakah to all of us. Allow me to say to our people, We've reached the end of our session. Can we make our dua together? When we recite Surah Al-Asr together, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Al-Rajim Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim Wal-Asr Inna Al-Insana Lafi Husr Illa Al-Ladhina Amanu Wa Amilu Al-Salihat Wa Tawasaw Bil-Haqq Wa Tawasaw Bil-Sabr Wa Sallallahu Ala Sayyidina Wa Mawlana Muhammadin Wa Ala Ali Wa Sahabihi Wa Barik Wa Salim Subhanaka Allahumma Wa Bihamdik Nashhadu An La Ilaha Illa Anta Nastaghfiruka Wa Natubu Ilaik just the end of the program, you've touched on something key today, and that is the importance of consulting, right? And I think that is something a lot of leaders are lacking. They do not consult. They really just go ahead and make their decisions. So perhaps something we can take a closer look at in the next program. We'll continue tomorrow, inshallah, from me, Adila Fortune, and the crew on board. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, and have a great afternoon. Madrasa on air.